and I feel that I am crying and it's because diabetes is so close to my heart and I really do believe that we can change our lives and that we can thrive with diabetes. I consider myself diabetic, even though my blood sugar levels have been within the healthy range for 10, more than 10 years. Welcome to Thriving with Diabetes, the podcast where we empower people with type 2 diabetes. I am your host, Gamden, a holistic wellness coach, helping people overcome challenges related to type 2 diabetes. I believe that with the correct knowledge, mindset, and support, you can manage your health condition more effectively and lead a fulfilling life. In this episode of Thriving with Diabetes, we are talking about holistic wellness and managing chronic conditions. Our guest today is uh, Debra uh, Charnes, a certified yoga therapist with experience in a holistic uh, approach to health including balancing blood sugar, weight management, and addressing various chronic conditions. We will uh, explore yoga uh, therapy and holistic practices in achieving a healthier life. So I am uh, so excited to have our special guest with me today, uh, Debra uh, uh, Charnis. As you know that uh, our podcast is all about empowering people with type 2 diabetes to lead a healthier and more fulfilling lives. And having experts like Debra uh, on the show helps us achieve that goal. It is always inspiring to learn about our guests' uh, perspectives and experiences. Before we uh, dive into our discussion, I would love from De- uh, Debra to introduce herself, share some background about her and what she does. So without further ado, I will hand it over to uh, Debra to introduce herself uh, and uh, say something about uh, her health journey. So, welcome uh, to the Thriving with Diabetes podcast. I am so happy to be here. At the same time, even though I say I'm so happy, you may see my eyes are tearing and I feel that I am crying. And it's because diabetes is so close to my heart. And I really do believe that we can change our lives and that we can thrive with diabetes. I consider myself diabetic, even though my blood sugar levels have been within the healthy range for 10, more than 10 years. But I know that I'm insulin resistant and I know 
that if I lived a traditional couch potato life, or if I had the traditional, what we call sad standard American diet, I would be needing insulin maybe twice a day. Um, so I do think it is so essential that we take control of our lives and that we make a difference. I did see my mother die from diabetes. My grandmother, my uncle, and my aunt also had high blood sugar. So my entire life, I thought I was eating healthy. And I was never the kind of person that would ever add sugar to coffee. You know, I always lived healthy. And then, boom, you know, I got, and I, I tested my blood all the time. And then after I turned 50, I got the diagnosis. And I really cried. I sat in my car and I cried for a while. And I called a friend of mine who actually lost an eye when he was about 20 years old because of diabetes. And he lost several family members to diabetes. And so he was the first person that I called. And um, anyway, the way that I look at it is any adversity that we all go through hopefully makes us stronger and smarter. So I believe that if I didn't have my diagnosis, well, first of all, if I didn't have the family history, maybe I would be significantly overweight. Maybe I would be very sedentary. But because of that, I have always been very aware of my diet and lifestyle. And then again, when I got the diagnosis, finally, I had to step up my game. Again, I was in the perfect weight. I was not overweight, but I realized, you know what? I probably need to be even thinner than other people. And even though I was always working out, I recognized, you know what? Maybe I have to work out three times a day. And that's just the way I am. And my general practitioner gave me beautiful, wise words, which I remember so clearly. I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself because of my very restrictive diet. And I said, you know, my aunt, who also has insulin resistance, I said, I see what she eats. She eats a very balanced diet. But she eats a lot more fruit and grains than I do, and she seems to be fine. And what my doctor said is, don't ever compare yourself to anyone. And again, that was 10 years ago, and I try to still follow that. We have to do what is best for ourselves. Yeah, very, very interesting uh, story to share and uh, with some uh, uh, bad news, you lost some uh, of your uh, family members just because of uh, uh, diabetes 
and even your friend that uh, who tried to help you lost their uh, or uh, lost his uh, uh, vision. His eye. Uh, yes. He, he actually lost an eye. One, oh, oh, oh. And uh, that shows the complexity uh, of diabetes and how it can be uh, dangerous to uh, uh, people. Uh, yeah, and you, yeah, you just mentioned that even you, you, tr I mean, uh, you were following uh, some healthy uh, habits and eating healthy, but uh, that was uh, like uh, it wasn't in of itself. Um, and I want to uh, take this point and move to the next. Uh, step which is the the key point of diabetes is um, blood sugar levels and uh, insulin I mean uh, insulin resistance so as you know uh, our uh, audience is people with uh, type 2 diabetes so could you explain uh, how yoga therapy and holistic uh, practices can help uh, people balance their blood sugar levels effectively. Sure. First of all, most people have no idea what yoga therapy is. And if you look on Instagram, it drives me crazy because people hashtag yoga therapy for everything and none of it is therapy. There is an international association of yoga therapists, which regulates and determines what schools can offer yoga therapy and what people can be credentialed and certified. A yoga instructor requires 200 hours to teach yoga. A yoga therapist it is a baseline of 1,000 hours. And of those 1,000 hours, we have to do a lot of case studies. So we have to actually be working with people and making a difference. On my YouTube channel, which is my name, Deborah Charns, I have videos that talk about what is yoga therapy? When should you try yoga therapy? What, what is it not? But to make it simple, what I like to say is it's much more about therapy than yoga. In reality, I, for myself, I, you know, yoga is yoga in the Western context, which is viewed as exercise, is just a very small part of what yoga therapy is. Yoga therapy is a holistic lifestyle approach. And with all of my clients, I always, regardless of what they come to me for, I always address diet and lifestyle. And yes, there may be some physical exercises, there may be breath work, there may be mindfulness, which are all yoga. There may be spirituality that's involved, but most important, it is lifestyle management. 
the way that I approach yoga therapy, because every yoga therapist is different based on their training. Many yoga therapists are medical doctors, some are registered nurses, some are psychotherapists. My background leans more towards Ayurveda, which is the life science from India. And I find that the life science from India, Ayurveda, is very similar to traditional Chinese medicine, the concept. And basically, both of them are about finding the root imbalance and balancing out whatever is the problem. And then everything kind of surfaces and arises and grows from there. So it's, uh, again, if, if people have a better understanding of traditional Chinese medicine, such as acupuncture, and acupuncture, we work to unblock the meridians, which are the energetic channels. In yoga, we call those nadis, N-A-D-I-S. So there are many different ways that we can unblock the nadis. And one thing that I do every night is I do marma. Marma is considered Vedic reflexology. And so I will press different pressure points on my hands, on my stomach, on my head, on my foot. That is just one example of the unlimited tool case that I have to address my thriving with diabetes. And I do want to mention I'm 65 years old. And I believe I'm in the greatest health. I feel that I am stronger than I have ever been before. And, um, and it, it is thanks to my diagnosis. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. And just to summarize it, so it's the, the therapy focuses on uh, nutrition, physical activity, uh, healthy lifestyle, including uh, sleep. Uh, and uh, you just mentioned it, it's called uh, Ayurveda, which is similar to Chinese uh, me medicine. So it's a holistic approach. Then the outcomes of it, it helps to balance uh, blood sugar levels. Is that correct? So let me just clarify that the concept of traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda are similar and that they are about balance. And both of them have referred to the elements. So I will give a perfect example of the commonalities as it relates to diabetes. I had, I actually first went to an acupuncturist 35, 36 years ago, and someone else that he was treating was told they had too much fire, and they were treated by the acupuncturist to minimize the fire. I don't have enough fire. And fire is an element that is important for both traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. From an Ayurvedic standpoint, everything is based on your fire. And the fire is, you can think of it as the engine to your well-being. 
And if you have a sluggish engine, you're going to have sluggish everything else. And if I can just read just, um, just one um, paragraph from my book, From the Boxing Ring to the Ashram, because an entire chapter in my book is about Ayurveda, and the title of the chapter is Go With Your Gut. And the concept, again, is that the digestive fire is in your belly, it's in your gut, and that's why digestive disorders have a great um, influence on blood sugar management and, and on other things, such as bone health and many other things. And I've had digestive disorders all my life. I was diagnosed when I was maybe 12 years old with a chronic digestive disorder that I can manage perfectly, but it will be with me forever. Anyway, according to Ayurveda, any imbalance in our system is caused by irregular agni. Agni is the term for fire as well as the accumulation of toxic buildup called AMA, A-M-A, in our body. Ayurveda professes that all physical and most mental disorders originate in the gut. Unhealthy eating habits are the root cause of major and minor imbalances and diseases. And so that's a good example of balance. And aside from the fact that let's just say a standard Western diet, maybe meat and potatoes. And meat takes a very long term time to digest. The transit time for meat is about three days. Whereas vegetables, it's less than 24 hours. It may be 12 hours. Fish, I believe, is 24 hours. And I think chicken is maybe 48 hours. So if you think about everything, and if you think about eating meat and potatoes, and of course, potatoes, I was told by my general practitioner when I first went after being diagnosed with the insulin resistance, I was told that a potato is worse than eating a Snickers bar in terms of the sugar and the, the glycemic index. So I have not knowingly had a potato for more than 10 years. And again, if you consider that the standard Western diet lacks vegetables, lacks fiber, and so everything is gonna rot away in the intestines. What is extremely important is a quick transit time for digestion. I had a good friend that had one bowel movement every four days and believed that that was normal. And if you would ask a doctor, a doctor would say, oh, it's within the norm. Maybe it's within the norm for sick people and for people that are going to have health issues, but it is certainly not the norm for a healthy person. I actually, in my career, I've worked marketing communications my entire life. And one of my clients was a top-notch cancer center. And I went to a cancer 
seminar with one of the doctors who was presenting research in South America. And he told me that South America had one country in particular had the highest rate of intestinal or gastric types of cancer. And he told me that he felt it was because of the diet. Um, and if you know anything about the blue zone, you know, the, about the people around the world that live to be more than 100 years old, most of them do not eat a whole lot of meat. They may eat fish, but they have a much more balanced diet and they are not sedentary, which is another major issue. You know, if, if I were to, I don't eat any meat, but if I were to eat meat, one of the things that you can do to help digestion is to walk and to walk briskly and help, you know, help, help, you know, um, in the heart rate, help circulation, but also to help digestion. But um, again, I could go on forever talking about this, but... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, your point is clear. So this is will take us to the next uh, uh, point. Uh, you already just uh, mentioned how uh, some food like uh, potato, potatoes can affect uh, blood sugar levels. So I think uh, weight management uh, is a significant concern for uh, people dealing with diabetes. So uh, uh, my question is, how do uh, yoga and holistic practices contribute to healthy weight management? And what advice can you offer to those trying to maintain a healthy weight? Well, first of all, as I mentioned before, when I was diagnosed with my pre-diabetes level, I was at a perfect weight level. <laughs> but again, I know you're not supposed to compare yourself to others, but when I look around and see so many people that are overweight and morbidly obese, what they are doing to their bodies, regardless of their blood sugar level, is toxic. There are so many things that they are doing wrong to their body. But um, from a yogic perspective, I'm going to take a broader, more yoga therapy response. And I would say, yes, I have specific exercises that I do to increase my digestive fire. But to me, if people follow a yogic lifestyle, because to me, yoga is not exercise, yoga is life is a lifestyle. And to me, in my way of thinking, and I've been leading weight management workshops and blood sugar management workshops for about eight years. And one of the things that I teach is mindfulness and mindful eating. And yoga, teaches us to be mindful with everything. It is very common in the yogic world and in particular at ashrams to eat in silence. And when you eat in silence, that is a perfect example 
of being more mindful in your eating. And what drives me crazy in our Western world are drive-throughs, you know? <laughs> so people drive in their car, pick up a meal, and they eat while they're driving. They're, they're not paying attention to the flavor, to the chewing. They're not even paying attention to what they are eating. And it is so unhealthy, not just what they are eating, but the way that they are eating. Another thing that is really important from an Ayurvedic perspective is the time that you eat. From an Ayurvedic perspective, we are taught that your digestive fire is strongest from 10 in the morning until two o'clock in the afternoon. And therefore, your biggest meals of the day should be between 10 and two. I personally try not to eat after five o'clock at night. Um, Christmas weekend, I was on a spiritual retreat where everything was healthy food and I was all with like-minded people. We were mindful about everything. However, our dinners were about eight o'clock at night. I opted to not eat dinner because I know, again, for everyone else, there were 200 people there. Maybe for the other 200 people, they would be fine. But I know my digestive fire is not working at eight o'clock at night. So I will not eat as opposed to stuffing myself. Of course, I don't stuff myself. And then it sits and doesn't digest. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing these great uh, insights, uh, which uh, uh, going to help uh, with weight management. Uh, I know uh, weight, weight management is uh, a broad topic to uh, dive in, but uh, uh, we have got like an an overview or a, a quick look uh, what it goes uh, into it. And you have already mentioned uh, digestive disorder uh, many times. So uh, I think digestive uh, disorder as can be uh, a source of discomfort and uh, disruption in daily life. So how does a holistic approach uh, address uh, uh, these issues and can you share some uh, tips to help people with uh, digestive disorders uh, combine uh, them into their uh, daily uh, routine? Sure. Well, first of all, as with anything, you have to have a diagnosis and you have to know what your digestive issues are. I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old and my I went to a gastro um, specialist. And I'm thrilled that I had my diagnosis when I was so young. What I learned very young was that the only thing that could control my digestive disorders was mindfulness, breath work, and meditation. My digestive disorders were exacerbated from stress. Now, 
as a 65 year old, I look back when I was 12 years old, what kind of stress did I have? You know, oh, I have a test tomorrow or, I mean, minimal stress. However, everyone responds differently. And I'm always so calm and peaceful, but my gut responds. So again, we, you have to have a diagnosis. So as an example, I was talking about the digestive fire. My digestive fire is very weak. Because it's very weak, I need to eat hot foods, both hot cooked and hot as in spicy, to spark the digestive fire. And there are certain foods that are good for that in particular. However, people that have, um, oh, I'm trying to think of what it's called. When you have ulcers, an ulcer is a perfect example of a type of a gastrointestinal issue that is caused by too much digestive fire. So someone who has an ulcer, their treatment would be completely different from mine. And they should drink peppermint tea and use coconut oil, um, which are cooling. And for them, raw foods, for example, you know, raw, the raw diets are very popular. Raw diets are not appropriate for me, but for, for some people they are. So again, it's very important to have a diagnosis, but what I will say is for the most part, I do believe that meditation and mindfulness are always helpful across the board. At the same time, from a breathing and breathwork perspective, there are certain exercises which ignite the fire and others which cool down the fire. So that's why, again, it's very important to have your diagnosis. And then as a yoga therapist, I can say, oh, you need to do this breathing exercise or you should eat that or whatever. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing uh, this information. Uh, let me, uh, us move to the next part of this episode uh, to talk about uh, breathing uh, techniques uh, breathing uh, is often uh, underestimated uh, as a tool for managing uh, stress and promoting health. Uh, could you introduce some basic uh, breathing techniques that our viewers and listeners can use to improve their over, overall health and wellness? Sure. One of them is called bellows breath. And the bellow is what stokes a chimney fire. So if you think of it, when you practice bellows breath, in Sanskrit, it's called bastrika. And when you practice bellows breath, you are stoking your digestive fire. There are different ways you can do it, but if you want to imagine that your body is a bellows, you make a fist and you put your fists kind of like, like right here at your sides. And with your inhalation, the elbows go out. And with your exhalation, you squeeze them in. So it's like you're stoking the fire kind of like this. And with your inhalation, 
you the elbows are out exhale you kind of squeeze everything out and everything is in and out through the nose i'm just going to do it a couple of times so you can hear it so that's one and again that is to stoke your fire and it's called bellows breath so it's easy to remember because it's the same thing that you use for a chimney you know you go yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's another exercise that is i love doing it with my students and i often do it on both sides for balance because i don't necessarily know what their needs are from a yoga therapy perspective I do a two hour intake. So I try to know as much about them as possible and customize an action plan for everyone. But when I lead group yoga, what I'm going to show you is I do it on both sides. And this is called Surya, which means sun and Chandra, which means moon, Bedan. So if you think about it from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, the sun is yang and the moon is yin so yang is hot yin is cold mm. so the first one that i'm going to do is surya so it's heating so if you need to stoke your digestive fire it's very simple and it's a very calming you take your left thumb you close your left nostril and you just inhale and exhale through your right nostril. And of course, I like to close my eyes and I like to do it as slow as possible. I'm just gonna do a few. That's just a one. So that's Surya. So I'm breathing in and out through the right only. Chandra, which is the moon, again, yin and yang are opposite. So Chandra, you close your right nostril and you inhale and exhale through the left. And that is cooling. So people with ulcers, for example, should do Chandra Bedan versus Surya Bedan. Yeah. And uh, we need to uh, remember the terms as well. <laughs> Very interesting. But again, it's, Very it's interesting. just, you know, sun and moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing uh, these uh, basic techniques to get started with uh, uh, breathing uh, exercises. Uh, I believe that you have got uh, a book called uh, From the Boxing Ring to the uh, Ashram, and uh, which sounds very interesting. So uh, I want you to give us uh, some key takeaways from your book and uh, how does it inspire and inform those on their health journey? Sure. I consider this to be a yoga therapy in disguise book, and it's based on life lessons from a dozen of my gurus around the world. Each chapter is based on a different guru and a different learning. What I try to do in my book is share simple, enjoyable, accessible, free, F-R-E-E, -E, free things that you can do for optimal health and happiness. 
as I mentioned, there is an entire chapter in here called Go With Your Gut, which is, to me, essential for anyone with diabetes to read because it talks about how the gut rules everything. But in reality, I think every chapter is essential because as a yoga therapist, as I mentioned, it's lifestyle. Some of it is about your mindset and you know how happy you are in life. If you're struggling at work with a loved one, you know, if you're caring for a dying parent, or if you have 10 children that you have to care for, or if you have a spouse that is aggravating mm. <laughs> or whatever, all those things are going to affect your blood sugar management. And this book, each chapter has a different concept of what you can do. So two of the chapters are based on meditation and mindfulness and specifically what mindfulness does to the brain. Another one is about singing and silence for inner peace. Another chapter is about laughter as therapy. Um, there's one chapter is based on a digital disconnect you know, once a week to, you know, turn off all of your devices. And I don't drive, you know, when on my during my digital disconnect. So it's like a secular Sabbath. And it's a time for me to enjoy nature, enjoy more, um, you know, longer walks, or whatever. And just and of course, I read a lot. So it's, it's a lot of reading. Um, another one of the chapters is about what's called karma yoga. It's also called Seva, S-E-V-A, and it's selfless service. And another chapter is based on um, money doesn't buy you happiness. And so, again, these are tips of simple things that everyone should be doing for optimal well-being, but in particular for diabetics because it's all related. And that's something that, you know, Western doctors, you know, too often just prescribe metformin or insulin and they don't look at, well, what are the aggravating factors in your lifestyle? Thank you. Thank that, you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing uh, uh, an overview about your uh, book and uh, what it covers. Um, is it uh, available uh, on Amazon or is it a PDF on your website? Or how how do people uh, how can people get this book? Around the world, it is on Amazon in both digital and paperback. And on my website, which is my name, debracharns.com slash book, I have direct links to not only Amazon, but other places where you can buy it if some people don't like Amazon. So if you don't yeah. like Amazon, I give other options. <laughs> and um, yes. Okay, brilliant. Thank you for uh, sharing that as well. So uh, I have got another question for you. Uh, before we finish, we finish this episode. 
what inspiring message or uh, advice would you like to leave with our uh, viewers and uh, listeners, specifically for those struggling with type 2 diabetes? But before this, maybe you can include uh, something uh, about the new year. Sure. From a yogic perspective, we have what is called the Sankalpa, S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A. And it's common that in a yoga class, a teacher will say, okay, create, what's your Sankalpa for today? A Sankalpa is a re similar to a resolution, but it is basically an affirmative statement. Mm -hmm. So present tense, positive. And I've read a lot about, I don't even know what you would call it, but all these, you know, different kinds of books about attracting abundance or success. And they really do say it has to be present tense. So instead of saying, oh, I want to lose weight or, oh, I want my blood sugar to drop a couple points, you have to say, I have a healthy diet. I have a healthy weight. I have a healthy blood sugar. So from a Sankalpa standpoint, it's different than a New Year's re resolution. But I always say this is the perfect time to begin something new, to turn back on any bad habits Something else that I have done many, many times, and sometimes you have to repeat, you know, and refresh, is also from the yogic tradition, we take what is not serving us well. And for me, it often, and for many people, it is often fear and anxiety. And so I will write down what I'm afraid of or what, I, what makes me gives me anxiety and then I will put them in a fire whether it's in my chimney or whatever but I burn burn up that fear I burn up that anxiety I erase it as I said sometimes I have to repeat it and re-burn it <laughs> but it's just an example of for the year end or the new year, it's a beautiful way to say, okay, that was the past, I'm moving forward. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your uh, message. Uh, I, uh, I have got another question uh, about your contact information. How can people uh, find, uh, find you if they want to get in touch or learn more about you and what you do? I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, TikTok, and of course my website. Almost all of them are my name. And again, my name is Deborah Charns, as on the book. But um, my Facebook is the only one that's not under my name, and it's under my business, which is the T H E. Namaste, N-A-M-A-S-T-E, and Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L. So again, my, my website is DebraCharns.com, YouTube, Debra Charns, Instagram, Debra Charns, TikTok, etc. 
Thank you for sharing your uh, contact mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. Is there any uh, anything else you want to uh, say before we uh, wrap up uh, this episode? I want to reiterate what my doctor told me a long time ago, and that's do not compare yourself to others. Because, again, that is something that um, has been so important to me. And then, of course, the fact that humans are incredibly resilient. But we have to use our brain and our willpower to rise above and to combat any challenges we have, regardless of what they are. And again, finally, the, the message that diabetes is not just about, you know, something physical. Yes, it's about your blood sugar and your pancreas and your insulin, but it's holistic. You cannot just treat your pancreas without treating your mind, your body, and your spirit. Brilliant. Thank you for uh, sharing that uh, final message as well. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to express my uh, sincere uh, gratitude for our amazing guest, uh, Deborah uh, Chance, uh, for generously sharing her expertise, insights, and time with us. Your contribution has truly elevated this episode and I deeply appreciate the information you have uh, provided. I want also to thank every one of you, our dedicated viewers and listeners, for being a part of this episode. If you are uh, seeking additional uh, support or assistance, I encourage you to uh, book a discovery call with me at Wellness Impact. Dot org. During this uh, call, we can discuss your uh, challenges and uh, needs and explore how I can provide a personalized uh, assistance while addressing any uh, questions you may have. If you found uh, today's episode insightful and valuable, I invite you to join our community of people committed to thriving with diabetes. Uh, to stay up to date for upcoming episodes, empowering uh, discussions, and practical tips, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. For those who prefer other uh, platforms such as Spotify, you can follow the Thriving with Diabetes podcast. Once again, thank you, uh, Derpra, for uh, being our guest today. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this uh, insightful uh, and impactful journey. Until next time, take care of your health and keep thriving.